0: And um, uh, anyway, we can get into all that some other time. We don't really need to. You can probably do your own research on it and figure it out. But he did say three days and three nights. Not three partial days. Three days and three nights. And he was raised on Sunday. (laughs) So uh, what we do know is that you cannot get three days and three nights from Friday. (laughs) And nowhere in the Bible does it say he was crucified on Friday. It just says he was crucified and that there was a Sabbath. And most people have said, well, since there was a Sabbath before, Sabbath is on Saturday. But on this particular holiday, they have an extra Sabbath. And that is the first day of the feast is a Sabbath regardless of what day it falls on. So if it fell on Thursday, they had a double Sabbath. If it fell on Wednesday, they had a Sabbath on Wednesday. They had a day of preparation on Thursday. And then they had a I'm sorry, it fell on the, the day of preparation would have been Friday and then the um, Sabbath would have been Saturday making three days into, into Sunday. So anyway, it wasn't Friday. But that's when we it. So we call it Good Friday because good things happen because he was willing to do it. But on this particular day, Jesus was taken out of the garden after he prayed, spent time, the disciples were with him, and he was taken out. And he says to them, "Whom do you seek?" And they said, "Jesus of Nazareth." You remember his response: "I am." And they all fell backwards because of the power that had come from there. And we've—I've uh, been taught this before, taught it to you all too. That y'all remember the naked boy? Yeah, the naked boy was not one of the disciples. He was not John Mark. He was not any of these people. He was someone who was dead and was waiting to be buried. And the power of God was so strong that it not only knocked the soldiers backward, it raised up a dead Jewish boy, a rich dead Jewish boy, raised him back to life. And the reason we know all those things about him is because it says, remember there was a garment he was wearing? And when they took that garment, he was naked. Jewish people bury their people naked. Rich Jewish people bury him with a particular cloth for which he was wearing. He was wearing a dead person's cloth. And when they grabbed it, he left it behind. Raised because of the power that came out when Jesus said, I am. Well, they all got back up, and he says, what do you have to do with anyone else? I'm the one that you seek. Mm-hmm. And they all scattered, and they left. And he was taken in, and he was tried, and no one could agree on the charges, and the witnesses couldn't agree, but they decided to beat him anyway, and they beat him. And of course, you've seen the description. How many have seen the Passion? The, uh, the Passion? What a depiction of the, of the crucifixion. It's as close to reality as you can get because if you made it real, you couldn't watch it. The reality of it, you could not have watched. And how many of you all know that was hard enough for us to watch? Any more real? Oof. But he went through all that. The crown of thorns, taking of the robe and putting it on his body. And you all know what happens when you put cloth over open sores and then later on rip it off. he went through all that, carried the cross through the streets. Remember, I think it was last year we were looking at how the similarities were between Abraham and how his son carried the wood for the sacrifice and how Jesus carried the wood of the cross. And the word of God is very clear to make sure that both things are known, that 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 was done. He carried that cross until he could carry it no more. Then someone else was brought in and they carried it. Nailed him to it and set him up to die. You've heard the descriptions of the crucifixion. That you don't die from blood loss. You die from suffocation. That you can't raise up yourself anymore to breathe. It's a horrible death. It was one the Romans came up with. Because they were bloodthirsty. They just loved to see people suffer. And Jesus suffered all that time. Word of God tells us in verse 45, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Imagine the, even back then people spoke out of their ignorance. I have no idea what you said, but I recognize one of the sil- syllables. And so this is probably what you meant. They did it back then, they still do it today. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. We know that Jesus said... He could have called down angels and they would have come and set him free. But he didn't do it. Had the power to do it, but didn't do it because he wanted to stay uh, there for us. We've heard people talk, heard songs sung, that he would have done it for one person. There's nothing in the Bible that says he would have done it for one person. But we certainly know that the love he had for each of us was so great he probably would have. The truth is, folks, He did not do it for one person. And if only one person to believed He did not do it for one person, He did it for all. Even if only one person would receive it, He still would have done it. I believe so. But He did it for all. He died on the cross for all. But the only way that it has any effect on a person's life is if they receive it. They can know about it. He could have done it. We have these churches that go out there today and they preach the inclusion doctrine that everyone is included, that Jesus died for everyone, even some of them even push it to far as to say the devil. No, he didn't do it. Jesus did not become a devil. He did not become an angel. He became a man. A man and he died So that all mankind, all, every single one, he died for them all. Even if only one person would have accepted, sure he still would have done it. But he died for all. Now, at the time he died, there was a whole mess of people down in a room, in a place right next to hell. It was called Abraham's bosom. And these were all people that were waiting for him. So Jesus already knew that that whole group of people there were coming with him. They were coming. And there would be more after them. But his love was that great. I'm sure that if there wasn't a whole room full of people, it's just a couple, he would have done it. But he died for all. The thing is, folks, he died for the people on paradise side. He died for the people on the hell side. But the people are on the hell side because they didn't accept what Jesus was doing. The sacrifice that Messiah would bring. The people in Abraham's bosom side, they did. I want to call your attention to a couple of verses here in specific. Verse 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He said before, no one would take his life, but he would give it. He yielded up his spirit. And so he died. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So that's quite a list of things that were done. Basically, though, it's just about three things. The first off, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is no ordinary veil. This is about 15 feet tall, about 15 feet wide. It was not just a piece of material. It was fairly thick. I've seen some folks estimate this to be... It's not in the Bible anywhere how thick it was, but some people, some Jewish... Writings have put it as thick as four inches. It could not just be manipulated or moved by one person. It took a, a lot of people just to move it. And it says that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the reason that's emphasized is because this, it's something that God did. There are no people 15 feet tall. So man could not have gotten to the top of that and ripped it. If man was going to rip it, it would have ripped from bottom to top. If man could have done it. How many of you ever tried to, you might not remember what this is. How many of you ever tried to rip a phone book? <laughs> it's pretty thick. It's pretty hard to rip that. Not everybody's really able to, to do that. Not everybody could rip this veil. But it was, it was ripped. I saw some place, some historian was putting that it was ripped from one corner to another. Don't know if that's exactly true. I've never seen that verified in another, another place. I even looked around for it today to see if it was anywhere, but did not find it. But it did go from top to bottom, the Bible tells us. Now, here's the thing. The veil was ripped from top to bottom. In 70 AD, the city of Jerusalem fell to the Romans because of their rebellion. And the Romans came in and they were burning the place. And even as the temple was burning, some of the high priests and some of the others came to the Romans and said, please let us go in and take out. And they wanted to take out some things. One of the things they went and they took out was the veil. That's in 70 AD. That means that after God tore the veil apart, the priests put it up. Again. Either made a new veil, fixed the old one, whatever they did, but they put it back. God took it apart and man put it back together again. But the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So the first thing we had was that the veil was torn, the second thing was that there was a great earthquake. And I did some research on this today, and you know they actually have some findings that there was an earthquake, a big earthquake, that occurred right around this time. Some of the historians who wrote in this time all point to the fact that there was an earthquake when Jesus was crucified. The earthquake, the rocks were split, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So here's the third thing that happened. The graves were opened. And many bodies, not just spirits, bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. They do not do this when he's crucified. They do this when he's resurrected. Because when Jesus is resurrected, they come with him. Now the Paradise. And people were there. They were there not by choice. They were there waiting for atonement to be made. Waiting for Jesus to come down and, and pay the sacrifice. When Jesus died, were they free? Well, they didn't come out until His resurrection. So sometimes we might think, well, they weren't free. But think back in the New Testament when Paul and Silas were put into jail. And you remember there was a great earthquake? And their shackles were loose. And the the guard was going to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. And Paul called out and said, No, 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 don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Why are they there? If the shackles were taken off, if the doors were open, why not get out? Apparently they had another purpose. If the shackles were lifted, they apparently don't leave until Jesus brings them out. Because it says that at his resurrection they came out, and they started visiting people. Could you imagine this? When Jesus is raised on the third day, that you get a knock at your door, and someone you knew who died—it's knocking on the door. Hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? You're dead. Yeah, I know. I was down in paradise. And Jesus, the guy you killed, yeah, he came on down. And um, we all get to leave with him. So he's going to heaven, and we're all coming with him. I just want to stop in and say hi. (laughs) What a story they had to tell. So they do that before they head on off to heaven, but they don't stay down there. They, They head off to heaven. Coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy Spirit, the Holy city and appeared to many. So he kind of jumped ahead there. Some things that are going on. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, how hard is it to guard somebody who's nailed to a cross? I mean, really. Saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. If you had an earthquake that caused Roman soldiers to be in fear. It had to be some kind of an earthquake. Some kind of a good earthquake. There are three things that happen here. The veil is torn. The earthquakes. And the graves are open. Three things that happen. But look at the wording of, of all these. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Does the veil tear itself? No, it does not. Now, if I had a piece of note paper up here and I tore it, the paper did not tear itself. (laughs) It was torn by me or you could yourself, just tear something that you have and it would be torn by you. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now it doesn't say who tore it, but you know that someone tore it. Jesus is busy. (laughs) He's on the cross. He's not getting down. It wasn't Jesus. So it only leaves two people left. The Holy Spirit who's inside the Holy of Holies or God the Father. Never identifies who it was but the purpose of the tearing of the veil is to allow the Holy Spirit to come out. And no longer would the Holy Spirit dwell in the Holy of Holies. He's released. And he's sent out. Just as the captives would no longer dwell in paradise. The barrier would be torn, and they would come out. So the veil is torn. We know someone did it. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Why did the earthquake? Now look at the, the word in here. The veil of the temple was torn. The earth quaked, and the graves were opened. So that means the veil was torn by someone. The graves were opened by someone. But it only says that the earth quaked. It doesn't say the earth was shaken. Because that would be different. Same result of an earthquake. It does not say the earth was shaken. It says the earth shook. All about the time that Jesus Christ gave up his spirit. When Jesus died, the veil was rent, the graves were open, and the earth shook. The veil was torn because someone tore it. The graves were open because someone opened it. But we're not given an explanation as to why the earth shook. And it shook with such fury that the soldiers... We're scared. It left a scar on the earth that scientists, even now, can go back and see. So why? Why did the earth shake? Do you remember the verse of Scripture that says, if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out? The rocks are not crying out here. There's no noise that's being made. They're not praising God. They shook. Why? With the earth? Why do Why do people shake? We We shake a lot of times out of out of fear. We We shake because we got scared. It says that there if 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 there's going to be praising. Apparently, rocks can praise. I've never heard one. But apparently they can. If the Bible says if you don't, they will. They must be able to. They don't because we're still doing it. But apparently if we ever stop, it says the, the rocks themselves will cry out. But that's not all they can do. They can shake. The earth shook. The earth shook. Because when Jesus Christ died, the earth responded. The people on the earth denied that Jesus was Christ, denied that he was God. They mocked him. They scorned him. He's walking through the streets. They laughed at him. Some of the very people that he healed were mocking him. He saved others. Let him save himself. I think the earth was afraid. These people just sacrificed just killed the son of God. And even though so many people around there were not recognizing him as the son of God the earth did. And after the earth responded in such a way as to say this was the son of God And there was darkness and it shook and the rocks split. The soldiers who did not acknowledge that he was the Son of God said truly this was the Son of God. The earth responded because so many were not. Even his own disciples ran off The people were not responding. The veil, it was torn. The graves, they were opened. But the earth was not shaken. The earth shook. We live in a world that is not responding to the message of the Word of God. We live in a world that has denied that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We live in a world that says all religions lead to heaven. You cannot say that yours is the only good one. We live in a world that says what the Bible calls sin is not sin. that needs to catch up with the times. We live in a world that wants to find reasons to not obey God. And reasons to obey what they want to do. Sometimes, folks, we can get a little discouraged about taking that message to the world and letting them know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins, paid the penalty so that we could go on. And the proof, one of the many proofs, is right here in the Scripture, because Jesus took the captives. And took them up. But some of them. Walked on the earth for just a little bit. To say hey. I was down. In paradise. I'm now on my way up to heaven. Make sure. You come along. That man you just crucified. He's the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. And though you may have rejected him. Don't reject him anymore. Can you imagine taking that testimony out? Going to your neighbor and saying, Hey, I just had a visit. Some of them might have been afraid. If I tell people this, they're gonna think I'm crazy. If I tell them that my relative who was dead came on by here and they're gonna think I'm crazy. And they may not have wanted to tell anybody because they would have been abused. They would have been mocked, all sorts of things. But I'm sure some of them went out and told. Some of them were mocked. The reason we don't tell people is because we get ashamed. People might mock me, people might not accept me, people might not like to hear the message of salvation. If they want to hear, they'll ask me. They know I'm a Christian. The veil was torn. The graves were open. But the earth shook. There are certain things that God will do. And there are certain things that it's our responsibility to do. We cannot ask God to do what is our responsibility. It is our job to take this message to a dying world. It is our job to take this message to those who are here and reject it. It is our job. It is our commission to go out into all the world to preach the gospel. Remember Jesus' last words? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And, lo, I am with you always even till the end of the age. He is with us always. Always. Don't ever be afraid to go out into this world. Don't ever be afraid to proclaim His message. Don't ever be afraid to make a stand with Him. The earth, the rocks, were wise enough amongst all the foolishness of men who put the Son of God On the cross to kill him. They were wise enough to know, oh, this is bad. And they shook. If you read the word, you know that the day that he was raised, there was another earthquake. Some think it's just a tremor from this one, but it happened in the time in the morning when he rose. Word of God tells us. That morning there was another earthquake. Well, you know, when you have a big earthquake, you get some little earthquakes to come up after that. The earthquake. This earth has more wisdom than some people. And you're going to go out there and you're going to witness, you're going to share the gospel message with people who have less wisdom than the rocks than the earth that they walk on but still take the message to them still go out there and tell them Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God and he said himself no man comes to the father but by me that's what he said No man comes to the Father except by me. (coughs) And you think about this. Jesus died and it's so sure about it that the ladies who put the initial spices on him came down to the tomb because they still expected him to be in there because they saw he was dead. The disciples that followed him all died except for John for their belief In this man. Why would you die for a lie? Every single one of them. Died a horrible death. John was the only exception. And they tried to kill him. It just didn't work. Those are the people that went on before us. Those are the ones. Who tell us. Jesus Christ died. And was raised. On the third day. We have the responsibility folks to go out there take that message to the world. Don't ever tire. Don't ever get discouraged because of the people and their response. It is our job to go into this world and to preach the gospel to all people. All of them. Everyone. Whether you like them or whether you don't like them. Take it to all of them. Because Jesus Christ died for all. Even if all don't receive Him. Two things were done by God. One thing was done by the earth. What is our response going to be to the truth of God's Word? We are each responsible for how we respond to the truth of God's Word. We are not responsible to to how people respond to us. We're responsible for how we respond to the truth. And if you look at other people and say, well, these people did this and these people did that, so therefore I'm... No, that won't work. You are responsible for your own reactions. You're responsible for your own obedience. You are responsible. There are some things that God does. There are some things that we do. Are you holding up your end? Are you taking the gospel into all the world? Are you being a light? Are you being a light? Would you all stand up with me? Bow your heads. Is everyone here If anyone is here and you have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ or you haven't been living that way, you realize that it is my responsibility to respond to the Word of God. It is my responsibility to respond to the call to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. It's my responsibility to accept His work. It's my responsibility. It's No one else's. It's not God's responsibility. I can't stand before God and say, but God, you never. It is my responsibility to respond to what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Am I going to be outdone by the earth? Or am I going to respond in the right way? Every head bowed. If you're here this morning, say, I have not turned my life over to God, or I had turned my life over to God, but I've wandered away. Raise up your hand. We want to pray for you. Come over to the kingdom of God to live for Him. It's your job to respond to Him. He's already done something for you. Raise your hand. We'll pray for you. Father God, we're so grateful for the work that you did through Jesus Christ on the cross. Something that we could never do. Something that we could never accomplish. Paying for our sin. But Jesus Christ could. And he paid for our sin. Washed us clean. Gave us his righteousness. our righteousness is no good. Father, we thank you. I hope we're so grateful for that work that you did. And I trust, Father, that every single person here in this room has responded to you in a positive way. And it's our job to go out into this world and to tell them The enemy the pressures of this world want us to keep quiet. Want us to tone it down. Want us to be more accepting of all the other views that are out there. But that's not what your Bible teaches us. It's not what your Word has demonstrated. So, Father, we will take this message this weekend while all of our focus is on it as well as times past this. Father, we will invite people to know Jesus we will invite people to come to church we will invite people into the family of God and though every person that we invite says no we will still continue to go out and invite others As Father we answered the invitation we're so glad that we did we want others to have that same joy thank you. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much that your love was so great to send your only Son to become a man and die on the cross for our sin. To pay our penalty because we couldn't. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you all for... Come on out, making this a part of your Good Friday celebration. We're here again on Sunday morning. 7 a.m. is our sunrise service. After that, 8.15, we're going to have a breakfast together. And then our normal, regular 10 o'clock Sunday morning service is at 9.30. 9.30 in the morning. Get you uh, off to wherever you're going. If you have to travel, you have to make some some food preparations, things like that. That'll be uh, you'll have a half-hour jump start on it. So 9.30, regular regular Sunday morning service, and no classes, of course, afterwards. We're just going to uh, just have this, this part going on. So hope to see you on Sunday. Bring some people. Find some folks who, don't, who are not in the family of God. Invite them to come out. We'd love to see them come on out here, too. Have a great rest of the night. We'll see you on Sunday.